As some of you know, my husband directs the morning news at Channel 7, our local CBS affiliate. So when we were going to New York City several weeks ago, Brian made arrangements for us to visit CBS, uh, their national news program, The Early Show. We got to stand behind the scenes and watch as Harry Smith and Renee Seiler did their bits. And then we got to go to the control room downstairs. So behind the scenes, we saw that while the viewer is seeing you know, just one or two faces on their TV screen, there are about 15 people downstairs who are actually organizing the program and making all that happen. Think of this as a metaphor for what happens when we, as individuals, do anything. Behind the scenes, back in the control room, are our many experiences and our motivations. And eventually, these experiences and the motivations that come from them display themselves in our actions, just like we might see on a TV screen. In the second part of today's scripture, Jesus says to the crowd, nothing outside of a person, that is, nothing that we swallow, can make a person unclean by going into him. Rather, it is the things that come out which defile or which pollute or which make us unclean. For from within, he continues, from the human heart come evil thoughts. And you heard the list. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Sprinkling can't help that. Now, thankfully, there is goodness in our control room as well. And that comes out now and then as encouragement or hope, faithfulness, joy, gentleness, kindness, generosity, peace, self-control, patience, love. These are the things that are inside us that we want to try to use more. When there's inconsistency between what's inside of us and what shows up on the outside, that's when we earn the title that Jesus uses today, hypocrite. Long before society learned that washing hands gets rid of germs that transfer illness, many people groups, and even today still, many people groups perform cleaning rituals before they eat. Jesus' disciples apparently had decided to forego this ritual and ate a bite without so much as a splash of Purell. The Pharisees and teachers of the law are wanting all Jews to affirm their Jewishness. And this tradition is one of, uh, is a part of their Jewish identity. So they want folks to stick to their laws and stick to their traditions so that they maintain their identity in the Roman society. Mark doesn't tell us that these 
teachers of the law come with intent to trap Jesus, but Jesus knows. And so there he calls them hypocrites, people who are hypocritical, who are willing to judge others but not themselves, frauds. We might also call them. Jesus says these frauds are taking ritual and tradition and treating them as laws. Traditions, he is telling us, are not laws. Several years ago, Bear Corporation stopped putting the cotton wads in their genuine bear bottles. Some of you, I'm sure y'all remember that. The company realized that the aspirin would hold up just fine without those maddening white clumps, which it had included since about 1914. Over 80 years then. One of their executives said, We concluded there really wasn't any reason to keep the cotton except tradition. Besides, he had to add, it's hard to get out. Traditions need examination, and sometimes they need to be adjusted or changed. Though it is always good to wash your hands before you eat, before you eat Jesus is saying that traditions, like ritual hand washing, are created to enhance God's commandments, not to be God's commandments. So we ask ourselves... Do we ever feel like frauds? Do you ever feel like a fraud at church? Because you feel like you're just following a ritual without understanding it, without understanding its meaning? Do you ever feel like you are among those who say, Our Father, on Sunday morning, and then spend the rest of the week acting like an orphan? Like concert pianists still go back to the basics and practice their scales, it helps us as Christians to go back to the basics and think about why we do the things we do outside the church and inside the church. And always it seems to come back to the greatest commandments. You might take a look at that at the top of the first page of your bulletin. That's our quote for the day. It's in, this one is quoted from the Gospel of Matthew. When someone came to Jesus and asked him which law is the greatest. Let's read that, read Jesus' response together. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And for today we might also add, and all the traditions. Our worship service is chock full of traditions. For instance, our call to worship invites us to focus worship on the one holy God and not the other gods which try to attract our attention like time and money and busyness and other things that distract us. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's a tradition that we speak the Lord's Prayer together. That tradition is based on God's invitation to conversation. Jesus taught us to address God with praise, thanksgiving, and supplications. Love the Lord your God. Jesus also in that prayer included a reminder to forgive others as God has cleansed and forgiven us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hymns are traditional churchy songs that we have learned from churchy people or sometimes from Barbara Streisand. The older hymns are common ground for people who grew up in the church. And some, you have to admit, would be happy if we would just rip some of those new hymns out of the hymnal. Yeah, I know. Admit it. But all of them are designed to deepen our faith in various aspects of God's character, our God as creator, lover, encourager, giver, and savior, among so many other things. Love the Lord your God. Passing the offering plate? Law or tradition? Tradition. We could put boxes at the door and hope you'd drop money in it, but then you probably wouldn't feel as guilty. I don't know if that was a start of it or not. The offertory is a time for us to reflect on how we can give back to God, give, offer ourselves, offer Tory, offer ourselves back to the God who has created us and given us everything we have. Everything. Everything. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. The Lord's Supper is a tradition. We base the tradition on Jesus' command, his command to his disciples to do this and remember him. You know, some of his words still trouble me. We could take them as cannibalistic. Here is my body, broken for you. Eat it. Drink my blood. And yet, in their symbolic sense, I want nothing more than to fill myself with Jesus and empty myself of me. Filling ourselves with Jesus leaves less room for greed, deceit, envy, arrogance, and that whole long list that Jesus spoke earlier. We need to hear this as individuals. And parents and grandparents, I think we need to hear this as well. Because we need to fill our children with Jesus. So that they will have less room for sexual immorality, for envy, and for other foolishness. Traditions. Traditions are our sometimes feeble attempts to fill ourselves with Jesus. If they're not working then it's time to reflect and to adjust. We adjust our traditions 
so that we show our love to God and our love to our neighbors and, indeed, ourselves. One commentator about this passage points out that Jesus is speaking like the prophets of old, think Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, calling people beyond mere ritual to genuine devotion to living out God's will. Genuine devotion to living out God's will. One reason I am excited about the small groups that we'll be forming here beginning next week is that these will give us a chance to examine our thoughts, examine our beliefs, examine our traditions and our faith. And we might decide we need to make some adjustments. And I think God would bless that. Before us, we have our tradition, our ritual of the Lord's Supper. Let it not pass you by today as meaningless. Ask God to make it meaningful for you. Jesus invites all of us to this table, not only to remember him, but to allow God to fill ourselves, to fill us with Jesus' spirit. As we move then from word to table and beyond, consider your own traditions and reflect on how you and God might work together to fill all that you do with Jesus.